Hey. Special welcome to those who are joining us online or on the phone. We're, we're glad that you are with us uh, this morning, too. And a happy Reformation Day, a happy Halloween to all of you. It's good to be with you this morning. You'll notice that red is the color of our Reformation Day. Red is the color of uh, the Holy Spirit. And the, the changing of the seasons is meant to shape us over time to kind of help us um, keep time and bring out some of the other meaning and, and uh, behind these symbols, behind these uh, stories. And so uh, I see several people have their red on today, which, um, which is great. We're, we're celebrating uh, Reformation Day and uh, uh, the work of the Spirit in the 16th century. Please take a moment to read over the announcements that are printed in your bulletin. A reminder that next Sunday is All Saints Sunday, another, another great festival day. Um, and that's the day in the church year where we remember those who have died, um, both in the past year, but uh, I'm sure many of us bring uh, saints that we are thankful for to that day. Um, and you're invited to bring photos or mementos of people that you are missing at this time. You can bring those, um, and we'll have a place for you to set them. Uh, there's also a, uh, a banner in the back where you can write a name of someone who has died that uh, Chuck has set out in the, in the narthex back there. So please see that, and please attend next week for All Saints Sunday. Just a... We've got um, a couple people who have mentioned interest in new membership, and uh, if there are people that you know of who are interested in joining the church, um, we'll probably have a new member some Sunday sometime this fall, and so please uh, speak to me if you know of anyone, or if you yourself know of someone. We'll say more about this at the time of, of offering, but we are in our stewardship season. Uh, November 14th is going to be our Pledge Sunday, and so we're having a series of stewardship uh, talks, and so we're glad to have with us uh, the Troop 34 leader, Holly Loxo-Higgins, uh, to share a little bit about uh, the Scout Troop. Uh, and please, uh, at this time, you know, prayerfully consider your, your giving and your pledge, which we will collect on November 14th. Um, finally, uh, we have a uh, a course that's going on online, How Lutherans Interpret the Bible, which we are uh, kind of holding in honor of Reformation uh, time. And if you're interested, that's taking place on Wednesday nights, 6.30 to 8, um, on Google Meet. So if you're interested, talk to me or talk to Paul Erickson. Are there any other announcements that we should make today before we begin? Not seeing any, we will begin our service with our prelude music, a time to center ourselves and prepare our hearts and minds for worship.
Please stand as you are able and face the baptismal font. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose teaching is life, whose presence is sure, whose love is endless. Amen. Let us confess our sins to, one, to the one who welcomes us with an open heart. God, our comforter, like lost sheep we have gone astray. We gaze upon abundance and see scarcity. We turn our faces away from injustice and oppression. We exploit the earth with our apathy and greed. Free us from our sin, gracious God. Listen when we call out to you for help. Lead us by your love to love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. By the gift of grace in Christ Jesus, God makes you righteous. Receive with glad hearts the forgiveness of all your sins. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Almighty God, gracious Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit renews the church in every age. Pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your word. Protect and comfort them in times of trial. Defend them against all enemies of the gospel. And bestow on the church your saving grace. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. The first reading is from the 31st chapter of Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Word of God, word of life.
and foam. And though the mountains tremble with its tumult, God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be shaken. God shall help it at the break of day. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. second reading is from the third chapter of Romans. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be just, justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, Apart from law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the sins previously committed. Verse 
it was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then by what becomes of boasting, is, it is excluded. By what law? By that of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. Word of God, word of life. Holy Gospel according to John, the eighth chapter. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying, you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. And please pray with me. Come to us, Holy Spirit, and speak to us today. Speak to us with the freshness of the gospel witness that we receive through your scripture and through the witness of the reformers. Speak to us so we might be shaped as your living testament, your good news people in the world. In the name of Jesus, amen. On October 31st, 1517, or at least as the story goes, a German monk named Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the church door at All Saints Church in Wittenberg. And that's the act that would start the Lutheran movement within Christianity, the start of the Protestant Reformation, which is what we mark today on Reformation Sunday. There's a lot to love about Martin Luther, his theology of grace, his translation of the Bible into the vernacular, his humor, his love of music. But there are other parts of his legacy that are harder for us. His writing on the Jews, the Turks, and the Anabaptists, for example. Uh, The church in our day 
has renounced these writings and made formal apologies to the Jewish people and to Anabaptist communities. So Reformation Sunday is always a challenge for us to reclaim what part of the legacy from the 16th century we'd like to salvage, reclaim, and reinterpret for today so that it might speak freshly and anew now. Because the work of the Reformation is not done, our goal is not to become exactly like the Reformers in the 16th century, but to let the gospel speak freshly today, that it might release new energy, that it might renew us, that it might reform our church. One of the slogans of the Reformers was that the church is always in need of reformation, that we are always reforming. One person who I think has done such an excellent job of uh, drawing out the best of the Reformation legacy is Rafael Malpica Padilla, who's the executive director of Global Mission in the ELCA. He's wrestled with Luther's contradictory legacy, both the good and the bad. He writes, In the midst of these contradictions, we find the Luther that is ultimately concerned with the neighbor in need. In his works, we find a clarion call to be totally committed to the other. The freedom of the gospel pushes us to seek and serve God's vulnerable ones. And so today, I want to talk about the relationship between justification, that core Lutheran belief, and justice, about right relationship with God and with our neighbor, because I think Raphael Malpica Padilla is right that there is this neighbor orientation to the Lutheran movement. These relationships between God and neighbor go in hand in hand and cannot be separated. We see this in our second reading from Romans. Paul is writing to a group of house churches in Rome around the year 60. The letter was meant to prepare for a visit from Paul where he would... uh, meet these people for the first time, and he was also hoping to get to Spain, so he wanted to raise some funds in Rome to help get to Spain. And so the situation he is addressing is one of division between Jewish and Gentile believers. Commentator Jane Lancaster Patterson writes, it appears that Paul is well known for his law-free gospel to the Gentiles. In other words, Paul was kind of a controversial character He would show up and he'd preach this gospel of grace that you don't need to earn God's love through works of the law. And so that was kind of a controversial thing. And so in an already divided community, people were worried that if Paul showed up, those divisions were going to get even worse. And so part of what he's trying to accomplish in this letter is to prove that he uh, is not going to cause division, but instead, on the basis of the gospel, is going to bring reconciliation. So he is trying to create the foundation for reconciliation for these various factions, that this reconciliation will be based on the grace of God. This is what Paul is driving at, even in this very theological section of Romans chapter 3. Paul reminds believers, both Jewish and Gentiles, what they have in common. First of all, he reminds them that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no distinction. In other words, whether you are Jew or Gentile, 
It means that no one can reach God. God, you can't reach God through your own abilities or your good behavior or your works. You don't climb a ladder to God because no one can capture God. No one can reach God. Instead, God comes down to us in Jesus. Then Paul reminds them that they are dependent on God's grace. He says they are now justified by his grace as a gift. These few verses from Paul could be understood as Lutheranism in a nutshell. We are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We are justified apart from works of the law. And that's pretty much what Paul says at the end of our reading. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. But it's hard if we just stop there, right? Because does that mean we can just go and do whatever we want? That's been a, a constant thing that comes up in Paul's letters. But I think it's, it's important that we remember the neighbor in this relationship. We too often turn justification into a private transaction between the individual and God. But there's so much more going on here. One way we can get into this is that the word righteousness in this reading that appears over and over again is also the same word that means justice in Greek. So whenever you see the word righteousness or a word kind of like it in this reading, put the word justice in there too. Uh, The commentator Patterson writes, this word gives English translators fits, the Greek word, because they have to choose between righteousness, right relationship with God, and justice, right relationship with one's neighbor. The Greek language expresses the two as a single reality. And that's a fact that grounds Paul's argument in Romans 3. There is no true relationship with God if there is no true relationship with one's neighbor. So part of what happens when the gospel frees us is that we are freed to love and serve our neighbor. One way that Martin Luther put that is, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. And that's what Raphael Malpica Padilla is getting at when he says there's this neighbor orientation to Luther's Luther's theology. So often when we hear the word freedom, we tend to think of that as uh, being able to do whatever we want, whenever we want. It's kind of this negative version of freedom, that that no one is going to stop us from doing what we want. But for Luther, freedom had a more positive sense, that we are freed from being so concerned about ourselves, so concerned about our own salvation, our own relationship with God, that we can be freed from that concern to love and serve others. In fact, that kind of negative freedom for Luther was a way of being in a new kind of bondage. That to, be, to do whatever we want, whenever we want, is its own form of enslavement. Uh, one of the ways that Luther uh, described sin was uh, being curved in on oneself. That, when we, uh, that rather than looking outwards towards our neighbor, we're turned in on oneself. And so when we are justified, we are freed from that self-focus so that we can focus on others. And this plays out uh, in some uh, social psychology as well. There's this author, Dolly Chu, 
who's a social psychologist from New York University, University who has studied how, uh, how good people uh, resist fighting bias in workplaces and other settings. And one of the things that she studies is that we are so concerned about appearing like good people that we're afraid to engage in difficult conversations, that we're afraid of getting it wrong, that we, you know, when we talk about, about racism or sexism or heterosexism, uh, that we uh, are so concerned about appearing good that we're afraid of saying something wrong and are afraid of engaging in those conversations. And when I read of that, I thought about Luther's sense of sin, of being curved in on oneself, that we're so worried about appearing like good people that we don't actually do the good work that needs to be done. And so what freedom means for Luther is that we are freed from that self-obsession, from that curved-in-upon-oneself nature, that we are freed from the deadly navel-gazing that enslaves us. We are freed to serve our neighbor in need. We don't need to climb a spiritual ladder up to God. Instead, God comes down to us in Jesus because we are made right with God as a pure gift So if you have ever doubted your worth or your ability, receive this gift again. God loves you just as you are and makes you righteous on account of Christ. And think about how different this is from what we hear elsewhere. In almost every aspect of our life, we feel we have something to prove. We feel we have to earn our worthiness. But not so with God. We are declared worthy on account of Christ We are set right with God. And even the faith that is mentioned in this text is a gift. We can't turn it into another law because it is all gift, it is all grace, that through the power of the Spirit, Christ awakens faith and trust in us because that is the heart of the Lutheran message. And so as we mark this Reformation Sunday, remember that God doesn't need your good works but your neighbor does, that our justification is related to our work for justice, that our righteousness is related to our love for neighbor, that they go hand in hand, because we don't need to be so self-obsessed, we don't need to be so curved in upon ourselves anymore, because we are freed by God to not worry about that, to focus on the needs of others. And I think this is so important for us as a church to hear, So often we are worried and anxious about the future of the institution of the church. We become curved in upon ourselves, worried about our own uh, status, our own station. But the power of the gospel is an outward freedom. We are freed from worrying about that because those, those things are in God's hands. We are freed from that to focus on the needs of others. And in that, we can become a church for others, a church for the sake of the world. And so, like every Reformation Sunday, we give thanks for the witness to God's grace of Martin Luther. And in hearing that powerful message of grace, we become a people for others. Because we have a God who is for us, so we can be for the sake of the world. Amen.
set free from sin and death, and nourished by the word of truth, we join in prayer for all of God's creation. We pray for all who long for a word of truth and for the radical grace that flows from the cross. Inspire congregations to freely and boldly proclaim your love for all people with persistence and hope. Hear us, O God. Your Your mercy mercy is is great. We pray for your creation, for mountains, rivers, streams, cities, homesteads, and neighborhoods. Write in our hearts a new love and care for creation. Give us the will to curb wasteful habits and to hold accountable those who neglect the vulnerable. Hear us, O God. Your Your mercy mercy is is great. great. We pray for all who aspire to public office. Help us elect trustworthy leaders, participate in wise decisions for our common life, and serve our, neighborhood, our neighbors in local communities. Bless the leaders of our land that we may be at peace amongst ourselves and a blessing to other nations of the earth. Hear us, O God. Your mercy mercy is is great. We pray for all who long for healing in mind, body, or spirit, especially Denia, Galen, Lynn, Kristen, Bob, Sabrina, Graham, and John. Strengthen hospitals, clinics, counseling centers, nursing homes, and recovery centers to be holy spaces of renewal, that all might live the abundant life you intend. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. We pray for all who seek to grow in faith and love of you. Guide teaching and learning and confirmation, small groups, Sunday school, youth groups, schools, seminaries, and universities. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. We give thanks for all the saints and reformers who have gone before us, who dwell in your holy habitation, especially Francis of Assisi, Teresa of Avila, and Martin Luther King Jr. Give us courage through their example to challenge unjust systems and work toward life-giving reformation. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Confident that you hear us, O God, we boldly place our prayers into your hands. Through Jesus Christ, our truth and life. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please take a moment to turn around and wave or share a sign of peace. Peace be with you. And we won't be uh, passing an offering plate today, but we will be having a, a temple talk. So I'm going to invite Holly to come forward at this time. Uh, we do have an offering plate that's set out back by the baptismal font. So if you have an offering with you, you can leave it there um, either on your way up for communion or as you depart today. Uh, but as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, we're continuing our uh, stewardship temple talks for this season.
And when Vicki, our stewardship chair, and I were discussing uh, what to do this year, um, part of what we were thinking about is kind of the ripple effects of what we do here at Trinity. Uh, that when you um, uh, give to Trinity, you're, you're supporting our mission and ministry in some direct ways, but then those, that mission and ministry also uh, ripples out. And one of the ways that we do that are in our partnerships with groups that use our space, that uh, we are in relationship with. And one of our long-term uh, relationships with an outside group has been the Troop 34, uh, the Boy Scout Troop. And so Holly's going to share about, about Troop 34. And why don't you use the microphone up there? So, yeah, thank you. Good morning, Trinity. <laughs> so today is Halloween. But the uniform I'm wearing is not a costume. I'm here on behalf of Troop 34 to speak to you about the impact of Trinity on our scouts and to say thank you. My name is Holly O'Higgins, and I'm the committee chair for Troop 34. And I've been volunteering with the troop and the pack for about 15 years. That bagpiper who plays here occasionally is my son and an Eagle Scout, and he's now 20. I started when he started as a Cub Scout when he was five. <laughs> I'm still here because my youngest son is 16 and is on his own scouting path, and because I just love scouting. So for those 15 years and stretching back more than a decade before that, Trinity has been our charter organization. Trinity provides an essential service for our troop, a place to meet and a place to store our gear and supplies, a place to hold important ceremonies, and a place to make memories. Trinity provides a home for us in other non-tangible ways, by supporting our Scouting for Food efforts, by purchasing popcorn plants and wreaths, and by supporting our troop value of being inclusive and welcoming. This happens because Trinity is inclusive and welcoming. During 2020, when so many in-person activities were canceled or happened virtually, we supplemented our virtual meetings with meetings in, oops, your parking lot. <laughs> this is where the scouts learned to do some bike repair. We held a court of honor. We learned about saving and investing. And we held our annual Halloween party complete with an obstacle course and a fire. Scouting and the opportunity to be physically at Trinity is a touch point of normalcy for so many of our scouts. Your support as our charter organization gives us a home base from which we can exercise one of the foundational goals of scouting, community service. Some of our community service activities directly serve Trinity and its programs. For example, the troop cleans out the first street lot every year. We've shoveled out the sidewalks at Trinity in previous years and plan to do it this year. Here's hoping for some snow. <laughs> We participate in the road home when it was moving items in and out of this building and now in providing food and supplies to people who are participating in the program. We were here at this fall's pet festival helping with setup and singing along with the songs. And we helped paint the very cool mural on the side of the building. And other community service activities that the troop does include packing bags, loading cars, and smashing boxes at the Goodman Center's Thanksgiving basket drive and picking up garbage along the bike path, in the main parking lot, and on the grounds of Trinity. And because three-quarters of scouting is outing, 
We also go camping monthly, attend summer camp near Mauston, and go on a week-long high adventure every summer that rotates between canoeing, backpacking, and bicycling. But importantly, none of this could happen without the space, commitment, and caring of Trinity Lutheran Church. Without the space that you provide, Troop 34 wouldn't be able to do many of our scouting activities. We wouldn't have a location to build eagle projects or Klondike sleds, or to learn how to be leaders, or importantly, to have a place to call home. Thank you, Trinity. Your support and, and presence here truly makes a difference in the lives of these young adults. Thanks. Thank you, Holly. Yeah.
please stand as you are able. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, We praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, mighty, and merciful Lord, heaven and earth are full of your glory. In great love you sent to us Jesus, your Son, who reached out to heal the sick and suffering, who preached good news to the poor, and who on the cross opened his arms to all. The night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. It's my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave for all drinks, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his death, resurrection, and ascension, we await his coming in glory. Pour out upon us the spirit of your love, O Lord, and unite the wills of all who share this heavenly food the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated as we share some instructions for communion. Uh, To commune today, you'll come up the side aisles where at the front there are these two side tables where there are empty cups you will grab a cup and bring it to the railing where it will be filled with wine and where you will receive bread. If you need or desire gluten-free or grape juice, those are also at these two 
side tables, and you can bring those to the railing as well. Uh, as you come forward, uh, please be mindful of, of uh, some social distance uh, between you and those outside of your household, and likewise at the railing uh, to spread out a little bit. Uh, friends, guests, visitors who are here with us today, all are welcome to commune with us because this is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table, and the invitation comes from Christ. After you commune at the railing, you'll return down the center aisle and you can place your empty glass here in the bowl uh, by the center aisle. Uh, all is now ready. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. body of Christ given for you, Tom.
Please stand as you are able. Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in God's grace. Amen. Lord of life, in the gift of your body and blood, you turn the crumbs of our faith into a feast of salvation. Send us forth into the world with shouts of joy, bearing witness to the abundance of your love in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord.
People of God, you are Christ's body, bringing new life to a suffering world. The Holy Trinity, one God, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. The living word dwells in you.